morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 50 in VR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host, as always. Um, before we jump into the breakdown, I wanted to take a second to talk to you all about First Bank. First Bank is the official banking partner of Infinity Park and DNVR Rugby. They believe in banking for good. They believe in doing their best to do right by their customers, communities, and employees. Banking for good, member FDIC. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the breakdown. Wanted to do a little shorter breakdown again this week. I know I'm running a little late putting this show out, so I'm just going to touch on some of the important things that I saw from the week. Um, the, the most important one, I think, right off the top of my head is I wanted to remind everybody that the 15 Foundations virtual event entitled Building the Championship Mindset is tonight at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, it's $25 registration fee to attend that virtual event. All that money goes straight to the Women's Eagles program as they prepare for the 2021 World Rugby World Cup, which is scheduled to take place a year from today, September 18th today. Um, so... Uh, it's, a it's a good cause to make sure if you can donate, if you can attend the virtual event, if you can register, make sure you do that. Um, so that's tonight at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time, tonight, Friday, September 18th. So make sure you go check that out. It's good, money goes to a good cause, and, and it's supporting uh, the women's rugby program. So um, that's kind of the big thing I wanted to touch on this week. Uh, I want to remind everybody, I guess, before we wrap up the breakdown, the very, very short breakdown, uh, the Super Rugby Australia finals can be played this weekend. That can be that will be streamed on ESPN Plus at 3:20 a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh, that will be the Brumbies and the Reds. So make sure you go check that out. Um, I'm probably gonna watch it when I wake up, eat my breakfast tomorrow morning. So uh, yeah, and then you know the rest, kind of the rest of the rugby is gonna be played next week. We've got the Challenge Cup going on. So just make sure you plugged into all the rugby. I'll retweet uh, as much as I can. Um, and then I guess the last thing I wanted to touch on is that we had three of the women's Eagles sign play with Exeter uh, this week, which is awesome for them. So I go ahead and read you USA Rugby's release really quick. Uh, women's Eagles Gabby Contorna, Janine Duncan, and Kate Zachary signed with Exeter Chiefs. USA Women's National Team 15s players Gabby Contorna, Janine Duncan, and Kate Zachary have all accepted one-year contracts with Exeter Chiefs' new professional women's team. Pending visa approval, the trio will depart for England within the next few weeks to join the team for the 2020-2021 Premier 15 season. The signings mark an important milestone for the women's 15s program as, the, as a whole, as growing talent within the United States has led to an increased demand for American women within the global professional game. The trio joined the ranks of just four other players who have competed overseas for overseas professional teams in the last Rugby World Cup cycle. Those players include Christine Summer, Jess Wooden, and recently retired Kimberly Rogier, who played for the Harlequins Ladies, and Hannah Stolba, who played for Rugby El Salvador. Led by former England's players Susie Appleby and Amy Garnett, the Exeter Chiefs officially founded their women's program in September of 2019 and are confirmed to compete through the 2021-2022 Premier 15 seasons. As the Chiefs are one of 10 teams stacked with high-caliber international talent, Cantorna, Duncan, and Zachary will bring hugely valuable insight to the entire Eagles player pool as World Cup preparation reaches a crucial period. Cantorna said, quote, I'm very excited to train and contribute to such a fantastic rugby program. As I move forward with this new endeavor, I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity and ongoing support I get from the rugby community. Duncan said, quote, I'm thrilled for the opportunity to grow as a player in a professional environment abroad. To do this with a club like Exeter that's so focused on culture and investing in women's rugby makes it even more special, end quote. Zachary said, the Premier 15s is an, ex 
extremely competitive league filled with world-class athletes from top-tier nations like England and Ireland. This is an exciting new adventure, joining Exeter as they embark on their first season in the league, and I look forward to developing further as a player under the watchful eyes of Susie and Amy." End quote. For more information about the Premier's 15s League, visit premier15s.com. So uh, that's going to wrap up the breakdown. Uh, again, congrats to those ladies. That's awesome news. It'll be super fun, a great experience, and it just adds credibility to kind of what's going on with rugby in the United States. So congrats to them. Um, so I guess with that, we'll wrap up the breakdown. We'll jump into the interview portion of the show. So this week I have Glendale Director of Rugby, Mark Bullock, on to kind of talk about the new direction uh, that Glendale's taking. It's pretty interesting. I had a good 20-minute conversation with him. I'm looking forward to you all checking that out. So uh, with that, I'll, I'll stop yapping, and I'll go ahead and kick it to my interview with Glendale Director of Rugby, Mark Bullock. All right, now welcome back onto the show, uh, Glendale Director of Rugby, Mark Bullock. Mark, how are you doing? Hey, Colton, I'm doing really well, and I just want to have a shout-out to all those Wheat Ridge farmers. Is uh, You're a former student, and I was a former uh, teacher and uh, vice principal there, so... Go Farmers. Yes, Go Farmers. Got to gotta shout out to Farmers when you get the opportunity. All right, Mark, so the reason we want to have you on is uh, we want to talk about this new endeavor that you and your staff have kind of been on these last few months, so I'll just jump right into it. Can you tell us what the Rugby Town Crossover Academy is? Yeah, um, the Crossover Academy actually is a, a concept that we've had for actually quite some time, and um, two years ago we actually uh, made an effort of going out and recruiting um, what we would consider elite athletes um, to transfer uh, and play rugby. Um, because in general, the uh, best athletes in the United States are often offered scholarships at university to play uh, football, basketball, track and field, and other sports, wrestling included. And um, those athletes are the very best athletes. And, and we want to... Uh, kind of direct them into rugby. Mm -hmm. And so we're not going to get them out of high school. We're going to have to get them out of college. And so right. what we're taking a look at is recruitment of those athletes, uh, which I consider elite athletes, yeah. uh, to move into rugby and to um, upskill them as quickly as we can and, and get them to be playing rugby. Because ultimately our goal in Glendale is to, to win a World Cup. Right. So I know you said it's been in the works for two years. What has that kind of looked like? What were some of the steps that you guys have taken to, to make this a reality? Yeah, um, in our first experiment, which was on 2018, uh, we basically went out and, and tried to recruit, um, really, NFL, ex-NFL players or players who have been in the NFL pool and, and didn't make it, uh, and then some recruits from track and field and and basically, that's what we're doing now, is we are going out and uh, going through the college ranks. Mm -hmm. We presently have a, a database of about 3,000 athletes, uh, and that includes not just college athletes in football and basketball and other sports, wrestling, et cetera. Um, it also includes XFL players, NFL players have been cut, uh, Canadian Football League players have been cut, uh, we've had discussions with the um, head of the USA bobsled team and how they've gotten crossover athletes. We've just recently had uh, some discussions with the um, U.S. Olympic um, wrestling and so forth because we're really trying to put over a big net to find as many athletes who may be interested in transferring their athletic skill and other sport into rugby. Right. It sounds like an interesting project and 
what do you think is going to be – like, do you think if you just get them in here and, and you get them around the game, you think that's just going to click? You think they're going to just love it? Uh, that's a good question. I, I'm going to say yes and no. Um, really, the uh, in my experience, having coached rugby for a long time and introduced the game to people who have never played before, um, what I generally find is if I can get them in a game – yeah they will fall in love with the game. Right. Uh, perhaps not in practice, but I, my experience is when they play in a game, they, they love the game. Now, that being said, not everybody will be able to adapt uh, and make that transition. Uh, you have to, A, want to make a transition. You want to have uh, a great work ethic so that you can uh, develop your skills. And I think most importantly, you have to have, uh, besides an open mindset, you have to have an athletic intelligence mm -hmm. um, because the game is a little bit different. It's not as structured as some games. I mean, it is structured, but um, there's a lot of free flow. And what I like to say when I coach football was that um, football is a coach's game and, and rugby is a player's game. Yeah. Uh, and that being that in football, the coaches are making the decision most of the time. And in rugby, the players are making the decision once the game starts. So. Right. So that's a change for players. For sure. Um, I wanted to ask you specifically, I know back in July, there was the spring league was out on the turf. They were here for about a week. How, how big of a help has the spring league been to you and your staff? Um, I think the biggest thing about the spring league for us was one, uh, immediately getting in a tie-in to uh, NFL development type camp. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was one. I think the biggest thing was um, – I come from a football background. I coached football for 20 years and, and worked with um, the Seahawks back in the 80s and University of Washington. So I have a football background, yeah. and our coaching staff, um, some who are from overseas, don't have a football background. I think having the spring league here really helped to cement their um, observations that these are really elite athletes. And they're fantastic athletes. And so our challenge is, uh, A, recruiting them, but then the bigger challenge is going to be helping to convert them to a sport that they haven't played. Now, some people would say, oh, they can't make that transition. And I don't believe that's true. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, my observations are is that many of the top athletes in the United States who are playing university sports – and ultimately professional sports, often are multiple sport athletes. Right. They played football and basketball or football and wrestling or football and track and field, et cetera. And many of them played three different sports in high school. And those are the athletes that can make that transition because they've done it. They played football in the fall and then it became um, wintertime in December and they started playing basketball. Right. And so... It's about their athletic ability and, more importantly, their willingness to learn something new. Right. When is this first camp scheduled to take place? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> we actually have a date, and yeah. that's uh, November 17 to November 21. Um, we're anticipating um, – well, actually, we're not really sure how many numbers we'll have. We'd right. like to get 30. Uh -huh. uh, we could get up to 50. Um, right now, we're in the process of – um, responding and inviting athletes. So um, we've, out of our database, we're, we're developing contacts. Mm -hmm. Once we get the contact, then we have a conversation with them. And 
and see if they want to come in. Yeah. Uh, and then prior to their coming in, we're we're sending them a rugby ball. We're uh, sending them clips uh, to look at and and recommending things and training that they could do to come in and, and give an opportunity to, to compete at the best level that they can. That's awesome. Um, are you allowed to say how many people have committed to the camp? Oh, yeah. At this point, I mean, we're just really yeah. early in the process, and, sure. and we have approximately 10 players uh, that are interested in the camp. But what I find most interesting, and this is something that we found two years ago when we brought the players in, we brought them in for a week and then played up in Aspen, um, is that they're highly professional yeah. because they've been in um, what I would consider professional uh, university programs yeah. where things are structured and how they train, and then they've been in the NFL. And so what we're finding is is that they on their own are looking up uh, rugby tapes or looking at things they can do, right. and then they come back to us with, oh, I think I could play this position or this position does this. Or, gee, I need to do the Bronco test. We didn't even talk about the Bronco <laughs> test. They look it up. Right. It's a conditioning test for rugby. Um, so I think we have a unique set of athletes, um, and we'll see how it goes. My yeah. experience is that it'll go well. Yeah. Uh, I know you talked about the overall goal of the program is, is to ultimately help the United States win the World Cup and bringing in these high-caliber athletes that really, you know, this is something that I feel like hasn't been done there hasn't been the people that we bring in the the blue chip best of the best athletes to to teach them to play rugby and that's what we'll need ultimately to to accomplish that goal but um i guess if we could like in smaller terms what is the goal of the program like do you know uh who you will play will this be like a team or is this be like a one-off camp will this be like a team that plays in the spring against other clubs do you do you know all of that yet or is that still in the works well <laughs> That's a big question. There's a lot going on, actually. Um, our, our first goal is to, to bring the players in, to give them the opportunity to um, demonstrate their skill and ability, and, and probably really to demonstrate the skill and ability of our coaching staff mm -hmm. uh, to assist people who aren't familiar with the game. Um, that being said, we have, um, once we have our camp, will invite players in to, to basically contract them to play rugby. Um, and then we have uh, organized ourselves to play in the um, Red River Conference uh, out of Texas and the Pacific Rugby Premiership um, out of California. And then in addition to that, we work hard with the Seattle Rugby Club uh, to promote the development of American athletes in rugby. And yeah. so we'll have home games with them or home and away games. We're also looking at matches with New York Athletic Club because they also have a similar goal of yeah. developing American athletes to win a World Cup. Yeah. And so they're going about it in a little different way than we are. We're going after university athletes and doing this crossover camp. So our goal in the spring of 2021, uh, all things going as we hope, we'll be playing from uh, late January to, to May, June. And then our next set is that um, if we are successful, we want to move forward into the fall uh, and try to arrange games with um, academy teams in the Pro 14 overseas. Yeah, that now, that's a, that's a big ask for us. Yeah. But, you know, our view is, is if you don't reach far, you're not going to get anywhere. And being a mountaineer, uh, my mindset is if I'm going to summit the mountain – I've got to take the first step. Right. 
And so for us, we're taking the first step, which is our camp, then our competition, and then what is the next step? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the that third step is a big step, and there's right. a crevasse in the way, and you got to figure out how to overcome it. Right. And that's really what we're we're looking at doing. Uh, no one's really done this, at least that we're aware of, from a structural and organizational standpoint. Um, to just regress a little bit, in the past, some of our best USA rugby players are players who've come from other sports. Luke Gross comes to mind immediately, obviously, because he's on our yeah. staff. But he played basketball uh, at Marshall University, and then somebody asked him, hey, do you want to play rugby? And he said, oh, yeah, I'll try that. And then within a year, he was playing with the U.S. national team, and then he had a 12-year career professionally overseas. And if you look at Dan Lyle and Dave Hodges uh, and other players of that caliber, um, they all played overseas, but they all came from another sport right. and came to rugby what the world would say relatively late, mm -hmm. and they made that transition. And that's really what we're trying to do, but in a structural, organized manner. Right. And um, I'm an optimist, and I believe that we can uh, move forward and that we can be successful. Mm -hmm. How quickly or how long, that's to be determined. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like that's more than fair. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, I know from talking to you in the past few months, it seems like you have a great example of, the, of this personified in Luke Gross, like you just mentioned. He's a guy that did this. Um, but have you? I know just kind of from talking to you, have, what have you thought of, like, the rest of your staff? Has it taken a little bit of convincing for them to kind of see the potential in this, or how has that kind of gone? Yeah, that's a, actually an excellent question um part of that the reason that's easy for me is because uh, back in 1986 i started a high school rugby program at a point in time where there wasn't video and there wasn't uh, anything the players could watch they never had seen rugby i come out with a leather rugby ball and go hey i want to start a rugby team here after <laughs> i'm coaching football in the fall and we're going to play some rugby in the spring and my idea at that time was to develop high school players who could funnel into the Seattle Rugby Club, which is where I was located at the time. And what happened was our first year, we were pretty mediocre. And our second year, we won the state championship. And then I transferred to another school, and we actually did the same thing. When I came to Colorado, we started a team at Wheat Ridge High School. And our first year, we were <laughs> mediocre. And our second year, we won the state championship. So I know that, at, that we can take players who have absolutely no idea what rugby is yeah, and teach them the game and be successful at it. Now, we're looking at a much higher level in high school, but I know that from what we've done in the past, we can do that. Now, that being said, um, I come from that background, from a football background. I coached high school basketball also, that we can make that transition. Uh, Peter Pass, my manager, comes from American football and wrestling background. He also understands that. Our foreign coaches or coaches who come from overseas um, at the start were less enthusiastic yeah. because their experience overseas in New Zealand is we all start playing rugby when we're really young, and you can only be a good rugby player if you start really young. What they've discovered, and this is part of the spring league in particular, is that the athletes that we're looking at and going after are outstanding mm -hmm. athletes and as good as anything they've seen. In addition to that, we've sat and watched. We watch a lot of video, and they're watching wrestling players and going, oh, my God, look at how good that athlete is. Look at how he moves. Look at how hard he works. He's a grinder. 
and all of the things that would characterize our quality rugby players. So I think our staff has really, uh, particularly the staff that aren't uh, from American sporting background, yeah. have really made a drastic change in terms of their outlook of what can be done. And I'll give you an example of kind of things that I, f- I find interesting is we can't, and I think the same way too, is we constantly get this, well, you, you know, you're going to have to bring in a nine and a 10 because those are key decision-making mm-hmm. positions. And how could you possibly, you know, develop that in a short amount of time? And, and I look at it again, and I could be wrong, but I look at it from a standpoint of the 10 is a, a, as a key decision-maker. But if I were out to recruit a college or a f- quarterback, I'd go, here's a quarterback who's played four years in high school, four years in college, and his job is to run um, the offense, and they run the um, run-pass option, and basically he, his job is to come up, read what's out in front of him, like a 10 does, yeah. then make a decision when the ball comes to him, do I pass it, do I pitch it, or do I run it? And when a 10 gets the ball, he makes a decision. Yeah. Do I kick it? Do I pass it? Do I run it? Yeah. So the decision-making and all those kind of things are the same. What's different is just the game. Right. And so I'm of the belief that, and the confidence that our staff can teach people to play those key decision-making positions and do a credible job. Because as a 10, what are your primary responsibilities? Distribute the ball, mm-hmm. kick the ball into space as needed, mm-hmm. and to run the ball when the options are there. And actually, some of their decision-making is helped by the outside backs because they're telling them what they can see outside. So I think right. this is all part of the experiment. Yeah. You know, can we do that? Can we actually teach that and not just go, oh, we got to bring in some foreign guy, which is if you look at you know, our national teams, most of our 10s and 9s are people that were raised overseas. Mm-hmm. And does that have to be the case? Mm-hmm. And I believe that's not necessarily true, that I think we can develop our players. Right. And the reason I wanted to ask that is because I feel like when people start digging into this and they hear about this, I feel like they're going to think the same way, right? Like to the traditional rugby like lifers, they aren't going to, they're going to look at this and say, think that same thing. So that's why I wanted to ask you just, and you said like yourself, you've kind of lived it over these past few months with your own coaches that kind of felt that way at the beginning and are kind of making the switch, the more familiar that they get with these guys. Right. Yeah, that's, I think that's really true. And I, I think that the, um, the challenges, and I mean, I, I think the same way cause I come from playing rugby, but it's, yeah. it's like, do you absolutely have to have an experienced player at mm-hmm. 12 or an experienced player at nine or what have you, can you train the players to do that? Now, absolutely, it might speed the process up if part of your uh, group is you've got a 10 or a 9, and then the ones who are learning that position have someone to model. For sure. um, I think that certainly uh, is a benefit and would be helpful. Um, but is it necessary? I don't know. We're going to find out. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that it's exciting. Um, it's something that I know since I've been around rugby, everyone's kind of talked about is what would happen if you – took these guys and taught them to play rugby, what would that look like? And someone's finally doing it. Someone's finally taking the chance to try to do it. Yeah, it's kind of, it is an interesting concept because we, we do have you, – you read things kind of outrageous where, you know, someone will go, well, if you just take a bunch of football players and they can just do this. And it's yeah. like, well, it's not quite that easy. It's not. It's you, not. You've got to do a lot of preparation. You've got to do a lot of work. And, and to me, I, I was a science teacher – 
teaching chemistry and biology before I became an administrator. And um, I'm about doing experiments. And this mm -hmm. is an experiment. Yeah. And we have a hypothesis of what is possible. And we may be incorrect. We don't know. Um, and that's why you do a test. That's why you have an experiment. And so we're going to do this experiment. We're going to find out what's, how it works. And as when you do an experiment and you have a hypothesis, if it doesn't work out quite the way you want it to, you make additions and you change. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to do. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, and it's through failure that you ultimately get success. Right. And that's where we're going. Um, and... You know, when we first started here, people were like, well, you can't do that. You can't build a stadium. Well, we did. <laughs> well, you can't start, you know, you can't just move up to D1 and compete. You're going to get beat. Well, we played in the D1 National Championship the first year we did that. Yeah. Because we're going to push ahead. That's been always been our goal. Mm -hmm. We're going to push the boundary of what we can do. And we're going to have uh, an intense vision of what we want to accomplish, and we're going to work hard to accomplish that. Yeah. And if we run into obstacles, we'll figure out the obstacle and, and try to overcome it. Yeah. That's how we operate. I'm ready to run through a brick wall, Mark, after you <laughs> say that. Uh, so the last question I just want to finish up with is, why should people be excited about this program? And I guess it's kind of hard for you to answer since you are not people. You are you. So I guess we could change it. Why are you excited about this program? Um, I'm excited about the program because, number one, we have – we have a structured format to try, and, and it'll be changing because we'll learn things, but we have a structured format to try to develop athletes, elite athletes, the ones who just missed out on playing in the NFL, to play rugby. And that has to benefit our national team. If it benefits our national team and we can get elite athletes in there, not to downplay the athletes we have, but we're talking about a different quality of athlete, mm -hmm. then that should be able to assist us in really winning a World Cup. Right now, we've never been into the knockout stages. So our first goal is to get to the knockout stages. So that's one of the things that excites me about the program. The other thing that excites me about the program is once we get going, we've, we talked about playing in the spring of 2021 and then moving to 20, the fall of 2021. Well, we're really looking to go beyond Mm -hmm. playing just domestically we're really looking at going on and playing internationally yeah and so we've been in various conversations with uh, members of the the ceo of the pro 14 and so forth and we're looking at how we can expand um our own product yeah. but also american rugby yeah I and mean, mark i actually just saw another question uh i don't want to get people get mad at me for leaving this out so I want to make sure that I included it. But what would happen if other teams come knocking? You develop these guys, because there are going to be different type of athletes that these teams haven't seen. But you develop these guys. What happens if an MLR team comes knocking? Uh, anyone else, someone in the premiership comes knocking? What, what are, you, are those players going to be allowed to go play somewhere else? Or how is that going to work? Actually, that's a, an excellent question. And, and part of our discussion with uh, the CEO of Pro 14 was that um, you know, we might be an incubator for players who get invited to go play there. Um, part of this is all about, ultimately, finances, right? Yeah. So um, if a, a t another team, regardless of where they're from or who they are, uh, if they come in and they go, you know, we'd really like this player, uh, and they have the funding to, to pay them, mm -hmm. and it's better than what we can offer them, then, then good on the player. And we're right. about giving players opportunities 
to expand their game. Now, ideally, down the line, we'll be good enough that they won't want to leave us, right. and we'll be um, financially competitive with uh, other suitors mm -hmm. uh, to to them, and they'll want to say, you know what, I want to stay here. Right. But that being said, when we first start off, you know, if Munster were to say, geez, you got that six foot nine guy, we don't have anybody like that, we'd like to bring him into our academy and play him, then we're going to encourage them to, to do that because we want the players to be able to achieve at their highest level. That's always been my desire as a coach is to try to develop players so that they can play at the highest level that they want to play at mm -hmm. and what that they can achieve at. Yeah. So that doesn't change really. Yeah, well, that sounds awesome. I know this all sounds really interesting. I'm very excited to see what comes of it, and it's it's coming quick. I know uh, two months from now. So uh, that's all the questions I had for you, Mark. Thanks so much for your time. All right. Thanks, Colton. And go on, Farmer Nation. Yes, go Farmers. <laughs> all right. I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with Glendale Director of Rugby, Mark Bullock, um, talking about the Rugby Town Crossover Academy. I'm going to be working on some more stuff to kind of further explain what that is and kind of how the idea came about, but I thought Mark did a really good job. Tried to cover all the bases with the questions that I asked him, uh, so hopefully everyone has a decent idea of kind of what's going on, and um, hopefully you're all excited about it, because I am. I think, I know leaving the MLR was, was uh, it made a lot of people sad, um, but this kind of sounds like a, a fun new experiment that could be very beneficial in the long run, and it'll be fun to keep an eye on over these next few months. So uh, thank you again to Mark for taking the time out of his day to come chat with me. As always, guests make the show. So thank you to Mark. I hope everyone enjoyed that conversation. So with that, um, we'll go ahead and move into the required reading portion of the show. This week's required reading, stuff that kind of dropped last week. It's entitled, USA Rugby Announces Steps Towards World Cup Bid, backed by MLR Owners by Martin Pangeli of The Guardian. So I'll link that article into the article that houses this podcast. But it's an interesting read, and it's something that sounds like it has a really good chance of happening, uh, and that would just do wonders for Rugby United States, just as much as it's grown in these last 10, 15 years, really five years if, if you're looking at the start of MLR and all that. Um, it's exciting possibility, and it would be awesome, awesome experience for everyone involved. It would be awesome to go watch World Cup matches around the United States. So that's something that we will keep an eye on. I think uh, realistically, the bid will be for either 2027 or 2031, is what it says in that article. So make sure you go check that out, do some more research into it if that's something that's interesting to you. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the loop and the show with the loop. Um, let's put a little light on the show out today. Sorry about that. But I've got really excited about some of the interviews I've got coming your way over these next few weeks. Um, obviously, with Glendale's new direction being announced by Mark Bullock today, I think th that'll open up some doors for some interesting content and stuff that I'll certainly chase down and, and put out for everybody that's interested in it. Um, but on the other hand, I, I already have a bunch of interviews lined up. I got two in the bank from this week, two more for um, recording next week. So that'll all be coming out in the next few months. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and then like I mentioned before, got some written content that I'm working on, kind of further dive into this uh, Rugby Town Crossover Academy experiment that I think people will be interested in checking out, because it really is interesting from, from talking to Mark and talking to some other people, the depths that they've gone to do their research and recruit these people is, is nothing short of, of astounding. Uh, this, when he says they have 3,000 athletes in the database, I looked at the database, he's not lying, it's huge. Um, so it will be interesting to see how this all plays out. 
I'm talking to Mark gets me excited. I'm, I'm excited to see kind of where they take it and what they do with it. And it'll be a fun thing to keep an eye on moving forward. So um, with that, I guess make sure to, to stay tuned with all this, this interesting um, new stuff that we've, we're putting out in these next few weeks. So the best way to do that is follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore rugby at Colton Strickler's my personal account where we'll be sharing the same stuff. But I'm um, looking forward to it. I feel like we've uh, – we were we went through a little of a bit of a lull there in the summer with no MLR and all that, but I'll just kind of put a little pep in my step. I got some juice back, and I'm excited to to chase this uh, chase this story. So um, that's the show. A little sh bit of a shorter show than usually, but uh, thank you everyone for listening. Hope you had a great week. Hope you have a great weekend. I'll catch you all back here next week.